Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, O ye lands. This is Psalm 100, usually the theme for Thanksgiving services across the land. We're not celebrating Thanksgiving Day today. It comes Thursday. We're celebrating the underlying principle, the attitude of gratitude. You know, having a day of Thanksgiving is kind of convenient. It provides the way for what I call short-order piety. You may have a total lack of thankfulness, perpetual attitude of ingratitude, and one day of the year, you do Thanksgiving. Counting your blessings, feeling grateful for good things and happy relationships. And on Friday, having done Thanksgiving, you go back to work, possibly back to commiserating, Worrying about physical problems, financial burdens, ingratitude of family, low compensation at work, and the crime and violence is so much a part of the world we live in. I have observed, obviously tongue-in-cheek, we might have an annual tribulation day. One whole day, tribulating. You get that from a woman who said, when the Lord sends me tribulation, it's my duty to tribulate. So we could take one full day of griping, complaining, revealing the nth degree of ingratitude, then go back to the glorious year of remaining 364 days, living with an attitude of gratitude. Partly kidding, of course. There's a lot in it that's worthy of serious attention. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Can you catch the vitality of those words? suggesting that Thanksgiving should be observed not perfunctorily, but with enthusiasm and vitality. Old 100 will be read, preached on, sung across the land this week. How often, I wonder, will it reflect a true attitude of gratitude? Or is the celebrant sometimes engaging in what Gilbert and Sullivan called platitudes in stained glass attitudes? In other words, is the heart really thankful are the words simply mouths to cover a heart that is worryful, lackful, fearful, careful? A little girl was sleeping over at her auntie's. At bedtime, the auntie reminded the child when she went to bed to say her prayers. The woman stood in the room while the child got down by the bed, said her prayers and wrote, the aunt finally said, that's beautiful, dear. You say the word so sincerely. The little girl said, that's nothing, Auntie. You ought to hear me gargle. Prayer to the little girl was an accomplishment of memory and imitation. Sometimes it could make our face red if we analyzed the way in which we've gone through such things as Thanksgiving in past years. Is it truly a joyful noise? We express our thankfulness with enthusiasm, true celebration. Here's a little word association test. What word comes when we use the phrases pray to God, worship God, turning thanks to God?
I'm thinking of the word obligation. We need to be clear on this point. We need to expand our God concept. Your prayer is not for God. It's an alteration of your consciousness. Worship is not a performance that you stage for God's eyes for his approval. Returning thanks is not an attempt to give a portion of your good back to God. So there's no way that you could do this. There's no strings attached to the abundance that comes to you. I've been known occasionally to make a shocking statement. Here's one that I like. It makes no difference to God whether you pray, worship, or express thanks to him or not. It makes no difference to God whether you pray or not, or give thanks or not. Can you imagine your God sitting off in a corner sulking because of your lack of appreciation? Can you imagine God saying, such an ingrate after all I've done for him? It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's important to recognize that that which we call God is too almighty, too great, too infinite to be saddened by any lack on our part of reverence. The reverence, the prayer, the worship is not for God. It's for you and me, helping us to get into an awareness of the allness of God which is always present. Meister Eckert, the beloved medieval parish priest, who expressed some things that were certainly many years ahead of his time. Basic metaphysics, we would call it. He expressed this from his little pulpit in his little parish church. Things that if really were really understood would have made him a candidate for burning at the stake. A typical Eckhartism, which I love, is that I never give thanks to God for loving me because he can't help himself. Because God is love. God doesn't love some more than others. God doesn't love at times and other times express resistance. God is love. When we get into the flow of love, we express love. It comes easily through us. Thanksgiving is an important state of your consciousness, which keeps you in the awareness of oneness with the divine flow. It's so important to get this insight. This brings us to the heart of the inner meaning of thanksgiving. We say often, you're a spiritual being. What does this mean? You're a spiritual being. It means that life is lived from within out, that your true life is an inner life, an inner degree of essence. There's a divine fountain within which must be permitted to flow freely. Health and well-being are fruits of keeping in the flow. This has become probably the most important insight of truth to me. Wherever you are, whatever your need, God is within you. The whole universe stands behind you to a degree equal to the full extent of your needs. All the power of heaven and earth are working on your side, on the side of healing, on the side of overcoming. In other words, thanksgiving is not just a reactionary emotion. Something happens and I give thanks for it. Something that you feel when good things happen to you. Thanksgiving is a causative energy 
Any attitude that lifts us to the highest level of consciousness, enabling us to experience the highest quality of life, is the idea of thanksgiving. A person may say, I have so much and I'm grateful. But it may be that you have so much because you're grateful. Gratitude is a level of consciousness that opens the way to the divine flow and attracts to you good things. It brings you to the feast that Olga talked about. Now prepares the table before me. You can experience blessings from the cosmic flow. I've always had a belief that if I can get a view from high enough up, see from a perspective of wholeness, that I'll be able to deal effectively with life. All my life I've loved the mountains. I've had some of my greatest realizations. Mountaintop points of inspiration while in the mountains. In the early days of the Second World War, I went through a struggle of conscience. I hated war, yet I felt a responsibility to my country. The problem was I was a ministerial student, eligible for a 4D classification that would, which would exempt me from the draft. I wasn't sure about that. I took a trip to the Rocky Mountains, a favorite wilderness area of mine where I packed in, back up into the hills, the mountains, each morning I would climb the highest peak around and sit in quiet meditation, not expecting to hear God's voice. But I needed direction. I needed to know what to do to resolve this conflict within myself. In a few days it became clear. I was led to just go about my day-to-day -day affairs and let life happen. I formulated an affirmation that I've used through the years and it has been used throughout the Unity Movement. God's law of adjustment regulates all the affairs of my life and all things are in divine order. God's law of adjustment regulates all the affairs of my life. All things are in divine order. To make the long story short, and it's a very interesting story which I may tell some other time, I was drafted. I was assigned to the medical corps. had a very fulfilling and meaningful experience during my years in the service. It was the view from the top, that mountaintop perspective that opened the way. This, I think, is what Thanksgiving is, at least it is to me. Some years ago, some friends were visiting us from England here in New York City. It was their first trip to our big city. And they came all prepared with the lurid stories about the crime and the insecurity and various problems of the city. Took these people to the top of the RCA building. Anytime I'm showing people around the city, I always give them this high perspective first. They loved it. It was one of those clear days that you could see forever. Later, when we were touring the city, the man kept saying, I can't forget that view from the top. It colors everything I see. That's the helpful insight on Thanksgiving. The view from the top. Contemplating the challenging, changing conditions experiences and persons from the highest possible point of view. From this high perspective, you can see with a clarity that we don't have at other times. See the activity of God. Get your consciousness centered in this cosmic flow of life. 
Look up and see the wider sphere. See the creative process at work. See the activity of God in persons and situations. And when you do, you'll spontaneously find yourself in an awareness of thanksgiving. You may recall that story in the Bible of Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. It's been three days in the tomb. Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, were distraught with grief. Jesus had people roll the stone away. And he lifted up his eyes. In other words, he got the view from the top. He said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. You hear me always. Imagine people saying, Thanksgiving, this is a mockery. The man is dead. Thanksgiving indeed. Jesus knew that the key to power is acknowledging the availability of power. He wasn't giving thanks for something. How could you give thanks for the fact that your friend was in the tomb? He was giving thanks from the high perspective that saw life as transcendent to death. It's a good thing to keep in mind. How can we say, I don't have anything to give thanks for? That's irrelevant. You always have something to give thanks from. If you give thanks from this high perspective, and tune in upon your oneness with the universe, then you will attract the things to give thanks for. But the thanksgiving comes first. Jesus affirmed, I am the resurrection and the life. Not to make it true, but affirming that that which is true from the mountaintop perspective. And he cried out, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus walked out free and whole. In the contemporary frame of reference, there's no way to understand the implications of this event. I say don't get so involved in analyzing that you lose sight of the simple fundamental. For if Jesus would lift up his eyes to get the view from the top in dealing with the final enemy of death, how much more important for us to look up and give thanks in every experience of our, of our lives? Actually, thanksgiving can be a golden key to resurrecting the waning possibilities of any experience or relationship. There's an old saying, a donkey may carry heavy loads of precious sandalwood on his back and never know its preciousness, only its weight. Many persons go through life feeling only the weight of circumstances, seemingly unable to appreciate the precious nature of life because of chronic negativity heads bowed down, eyes fixed on the ground. He used to look up, get the transcendent view, cultivate the attitude of gratitude. Not just an occasional pean of thanksgiving and praise, but a perpetual attitude of gratitude. Thanksgiving, perhaps our minds turn nostalgically to home and family of other years. Some folks look back with fear and resentment in early life that they feel was unhappy. Praise God, I look back on a very happy life. My mind turns nostalgically to my mother. She was a great soul. Probably you've heard me talk about her at times. She was great because she was able to face up to a very difficult life.
had a father who was beloved, terribly irresponsible. He was a gambler, not a very good one. So we had many times that I can remember through the years, my father would get up to his ears in debts, mortgage the house out from under his, and leave mother and four children with no resources, emphasize no resources. Some people today think they know what it means to be poor, to hunger, to be without. But when you've been through an experience of no resources, not a penny in the in your pocket, not a penny in the bank, nowhere to go, no food in the cupboard, you understand what that kind of experience is. Other experiences often, but the one particular occasion that I remember, she had an unswerving conviction. The universe is always seeking to give you the fullness of life. She would always say of any need, I give thanks for abundance. I give thanks for healing. I give thanks. She always preceded her thought about anything where there's a problem with I give thanks. She was a natural truth student. She found truth over the back fence, talking to a neighbor. They had many talks over the back fence. It's interesting that both of them eventually went on to become ministers in truth. At home, we had many experiences of standing together in oneness of prayer, often because there was a desperate need. Mother would often gather the four of us with her. We'd hold hands in a circle. She would give thanks for divine order, for abundance, for protection. One very memorable experience I would like to share with you. Some of you have heard me relate this before. Then we listen to an opera or a symphony many times over, so I guess we can listen to the story over again. It was a Saturday afternoon. The Butterworth family were all working around the house, painting, gardening, cleaning up. It was a lovely house in a very exclusive neighborhood. I have to emphasize that because it was probably what they sometimes call an upper-class neighborhood. Beautiful house we lived in. So no one knew other than that these people, the Butterworths, were unusually industrious. Certainly no one would have thought that we were working in the yard because there had nothing else to do. The fact was that on one of these occasions, father had gone off, left the family destitute. Mother was always ingenious, resourceful. Remember she went out one day, she said, I'm going to find a house for us to live in. She found an unrented home. It was in need of repair because they weren't renting it. She made a deal with the landlord. We'd provide materials and we would do the work in exchange for living in the house rent-free. So we lived in this beautiful house as if we had abundance. It was all appearance. In the house next to us, which was really an estate, 
there was a large garden party going on. We worked around the yard. Late in the afternoon, around supper time, we began to congregate as children are wont to do around the kitchen in the house. We noticed that nothing was going on. Mother called us in, explained that there was nothing in the cupboard. There was nothing to eat. She said, just join with me in giving thanks. We know that the way we'll work out. I don't think any of us were ever concerned because Mother had a way of pulling us through all these experiences. She had to set the table, get out the best linen and silver, which were remnants of better days. Eventually it became mealtime. Nothing was there. We stood around the table holding hands. Mother said, Grace. Which I do remember was a little long that day. prayer was interrupted by a knock at the back door. It was a maid from this garden party. She said her employer had asked her to come over and see if we would accept some of the leftovers from the party because she knew that we'd been working in the yard all day and had had time to prepare dinner. Others well, graciously said we'd be happy to accept it. Very soon the table was laden with silver bowls and terrines, warm and sumptuous food, lavish feast of Beautiful things, desserts and hors d'oeuvres and everything. It was a happy day at the Butterworths. It's only in retrospect that I look on the experience with awe. As the mother was doing this sort of thing so often, she was always in tune with the divine flow, and she knew that somewhere it would always work out, and it always did. I could spend an hour telling stories like this that happened in my early life. When you have a grateful heart, you can never be poor. Without gratitude, you're never rich. I remember the story of a wealthy dowager who was complaining of aches and pains, and she eventually went to a doctor. He gave her all the tests. Eventually, he said, Madam, there's nothing really wrong with you. I advise you to go and get a job. She protested, but doctor, how could I work? I'm tired all the time. He said, my dear, you need something to be tired from, not tired of. <laughs> the symptoms which are not too uncommon, the result of too much comfort in the house, not enough gratitude in the heart, the need for the attitude of gratitude. Thanksgiving reminds us not just that we have to, what we have to give thanks for, but to give thanks from. This puts a whole new meaning on Thanksgiving. In the old days, we used to sit back and count our blessings one by one, think of the things that we had to give thanks for, think of the good in our relationships, and people, the money in the bank, the jobs, and so forth. The important thing is to give thanks from. We may vary by great degrees in the levels of state or station in life. A seemingly great variation in reasons for thanksgiving. And some may say, and perhaps with good reason, that they have nothing to give thanks for. 
always we have much to give thanks from. Because you're a spiritual being. You're the whole universe expressing itself as you. You have the whole universe in your support. We may forget it. We may lose sight of this consciousness. We may grovel in the dirt. Always that divine flow is within us. We always have that to give thanks from. Our spiritual ground. Foundation principles of truth. When you really get the truth into your consciousness, you never face an experience in your life when you feel that there's nothing you can do, nowhere to go, because you can always go within. You never have a time when you feel there's nothing to give thanks for, because you know that you can always give thanks from the consciousness of your spiritual nature. Some people do great things, have much in the way of health and possessions, seemingly have important reasons for thanksgiving. But no matter what, you, how little you have, you can always rejoice in what others have. Celebrate the flow. It takes a very perceptive person to realize this, but try to get it into your consciousness. You really get the attitude of gratitude. You see the consciousness that enables you to see abundance wherever it is and celebrate it. You can do nothing more than walking down Fifth Avenue and looking in the windows. Not enviously looking at the things, but celebrating their beauty. Go to an art gallery and celebrate the creativity that flowed through the artist. Celebrate the good that's around you. I love the literary creation of Rostand, Chanticleer. Remember the rooster who thought his crowing caused the sun to rise? He would get up before dawn every morning, prepare himself. You can see him preening his feathers, let out his loud cock-a-doodle-doo, and the sun would rise. He did this every day. He felt a great meaning and purpose in life. And one day he overslept. Suddenly <laughs> found that the sun had already risen. It was a crushing blow to him. Life had no meaning. He'd been kidding himself. There was no purpose for his life. Then came a flash of insight, which is a great thing coming to the such a lowly creature as a rooster. He found himself saying, it may be that it is not my poor voice that brings on the day, but even if it may not cause it the sun to rise, I may lift my voice and celebrate its rising. That's the spirit of thanksgiving. It's a marvelous insight into thanksgiving as a positive power, not just a reactionary emotion, but a causative energy, thanksgiving that causes things to happen. You can get the view from the top. You can appreciate great things and be grateful that you can. You can celebrate the abundance that is everywhere, no matter who, whose life it may appear in. Think about this. How would an art museum be without art buffs? What would a symphony orchestra be without music lovers? We can't all paint or sew or compose or sing or play. 
that we can celebrate the creative works wherever they spring forth. Maybe appreciation is the greatest kind of creativity. Maybe affluence is not just a free flow of substance into your life, but the ability to celebrate all the abundance in the universe. I love the attitude of a supporter of our radio work who sends a gift, occasionally with a cryptic note. Here's a piece of the universe. It reflects the consciousness. I live in the universe, and the universe lives in me. It is mine to use and enjoy. The art galleries, the libraries, the museums are ours to enjoy. The sun rises and the moon at nights and the lavish covers of fall, colors of fall. All are ours to celebrate. How rich you can feel if you touch this theme. This feeling of riches is the key to opening the way to the flow. Give thanks for abundance. As Plato says, a grateful heart is a great heart that attracts to itself great things. The grateful heart attracts great things. So the spirit of thanksgiving is the consciousness of joy and celebration that opens the way for the flow. We ultimately have much to give thanks for. We ultimately have much to give thanks for. But it may have come about because you give, give thanks from. And finally, we need to emphasize the giving aspect of thanksgiving. Interesting enough, the, the Hebrew word for thanksgiving is yada, yada, which literally means stretching forward of the open hands. Beautiful thing if you get the Thanksgiving conscious. Find your high point. You don't have to get into the mountains, up a tree, the top of the house. Sit in your garden, sit in the park. Stretch forth your hands in blessing to conditions and relationships everywhere. Prayerfully project a positive and loving blessing to everyone in every condition that has touched your life. Cultivate the attitude of gratitude. We keep you constantly in the creative flow. Yada. Stretch forth your hands. I'd like you to close your eyes now for a moment. I want you to feel something welling up within you. Feel yourself in tune with the creative flow. Remember, you can never get out of this flow. All the wealth of the universe that is sprung up through the experience of people here and there, or the wealth that you see in the beauty of the trees and the gardens and the mountains and the sky. It's all there as an expression of the infinite creative process that's flowing through you. Celebrate it. Give thanks for it. Know that this depth of beauty and richness and affluence is within you. Take a moment to give expression to it. Stretch forth your hands. Literally do this now. Hold your hands forward, hands open. If you're giving something, you're giving way. All the love, the sincerity, the peace and power, the gratefulness in your consciousness, flowing forth as a blessing to all persons. Yada.
you give thanks. You give thanks. You give it away. Thanksgiving becomes a giving away and giving away to the world around you. So during this Thanksgiving season, try to get a new perspective. Start thinking what the world has given to you that you have to give thanks for. Think of yourself giving way to the divine flow. And be grateful in this consciousness. Perpetual attitude of gratitude. Remember that the grateful heart is a great heart. It only attracts to itself great things. You have the great things, things to give thanks for. But your focus will be on the giving way, giving of thanks. Yada. This be the most meaningful, most beautiful, most perceptive, most fulfilling Thanksgiving that you've ever known. Praise God for the truth that makes us free. So be it.